When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that can assure listeners that it has never accepted any bungs. This week on Heart and Hand, would somebody please offer us some bungs? So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by the prod eagle son, it's Mr Cameron James Bell. David, my friend, it's great to hear from you. It is good to hear from you, Cammy. Cammy, um, I'm, a, I'm a fair man. Well, I'm not, but in this instance, I will be. Last week on the pod, Scott used the intro to to take a swing at you, mate. Do you think he was calling me out in WWE terms? He was, and I think that you owe him a receipt. So, do you know, I listen to the pod, obviously. I'm, unlike Scott, I listen to the pod when I'm not on it, whereas, obviously, he's all about kind of um, self, you know, self-promotion and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought about, you know, a retaliation. I thought about a talk. I thought, how would I do it all? And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I look at Scott and I think, you know what, life's cursed him enough. No, so that's I true, to, yeah. I don't, need, I don't need to do anything. Physically? Physically, mentally, socially. yeah. And, it's, all, uh, it's all a downward spiral. Yeah, him. it's a fair point, but you're a bigger man than me because you know I would have, I would have certainly taken revenge had it been offered to me. I'll just, uh, I'll give him a solid bumming next time rather than just a, a quickie. Yes, today uh, is National Coffee Day, and uh, my favourite uh, response for that was somebody said, "How do you like your coffee?" And the best, you know, you know when a company does that, it's going to go wrong, right? <laughs> Anybody who's worked with social media will tell you Only ask questions you can anticipate the answers to So this company is like Hey, it's National Coffee Day How do you like yours? And the first answer The very first answer was I like my coffee Like I like my men Hot, strong and inside me so quickly That I actually start to burn so yeah, oh. and, uh, and and did that answer win you any prizes? No, uh, Scott said that uh, he didn't understand why people thought he was joking. But anyways, it can unfortunately for several reasons we have to start in Aberdeen. Now nobody wants to go to Aberdeen if they if they don't have to, but a lot of Bears did have to to go and see the team on Sunday, where the team went down narrowly two one to Aberdeen in a match which on its own. Um, you could say we were unlucky, but is it getting a bit frustrating that we're saying every week, well on another day? Yeah, and um, I, I'm, I'm losing track of the amount of times I'm either hearing, using, or thinking about the phrase, we could play for another 90 <laughs> minutes and we'll still not score here. <laughs> it did look uh, like that. No, it's, do you know what? Rangers right now are at that stage where, do you know that way how, like, when you've had a bird and you go out, dancing with your pals and you go out to the discotheques mm-hmm. and because you've got a bird all of a sudden you seem almost a bit like a fanny magnet and there's lots of kind of flirting and, attra- and all that stuff's going on 
and then you, you, you slot with your bird or you become single very quickly and you cannot score for the life of you. Yes. And you cannot get it. That's where Rangers are right now. And Cammy, that is actually a better metaphor and a, and a more accurate description than you even know. That's how good we are on this show. Even when we're joking, we're, we're handing out truth bombs and telling people to fire them. Because the reason that when you go to the club and you've got a bird that you score more is that you are much more relaxed, you are calmer, you're more confident. All of the things that we need our strikers to be. Well, I think when you've got a bird, you walk in like 50 cent. And right now we're walking like 10 bob. Yes, and speaking of 10 bobs... Uh, Joe Garner's header. Well, you I'd, call it a header. I call it something else, probably not repeatable on a yeah, broadcast. It was it was very kind of T-file robot. I think right, the, a boy done some stat research and typical, incidentally, put it up on on social media and typically you get all these arseholes going, oh man, stats, look at you, you're a virgin, and you're like, yeah, people actually think about football, yeah, fuckwit. Um, you know the types that are on there, you know, oh, talking about formations, just get it in the box, and you're like, oh yeah, it, it's god, like where it's like all you know, I've never seen a zone score a goal and all that. Shit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and you're like, you shouldn't be allowed an opinion, and this. The, Listen, going off, it's party political season, but going off on one, this is why when I'm in charge, everyone will have to do a, a written exam and submit uh, the reasons for being allowed internet access. Or you won't be seen or heard of again. Yeah, no licences and no... And one of the questions I think will probably be, um, explain the advantages of playing uh, four... A four four two against a four two four goal, uh, and if they don't, then then no chance. But boy, did some really interesting stats though. And what he came up with was that Rangers are currently converting two percent of their chances, and by chances he means decent chances, not you know a boy hitting one from 50 yards that the keeper just takes in his arms easily. Um, they have a definition of what constitutes a chance, and Rangers are taking 2% of their chances. Now, for a team that's struggling, you're normally looking around about 7%, and for a team that's relegated, and please don't think for a second I'm saying we'll be relegated, I'm not, but he said it would be around about 5%. So could it be, Cammy, that all season and longer we've been focusing on the defence, whereas the problem's actually at the other end? Possibly, I, I think see, the, the, the part of me also wonders as to whether or not, well, when you're creating that many chances, um, does that then mean that our midfield and our support function is is where it should be? Because I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. So you could then say, right, well, it's defence because we're conceding goals, true. It's attack because we're not scoring goals, also true. But also from a midfield, we're a bomb scare as well. And I think that that was most clearly evident in the, in the Old Firm game. But, yeah, you're right, I saw that stat as well, and I'm sure it's something like 2% of 50 shots on goal or something, which is horrendous. I mean, absolutely horrendous. And what I would encourage people to do, if they have any difficulty believing that uh, stat, is, do you remember against Aberdeen, Garner's shot that was deflected and the keeper had to do you know, do the full, full reach, fingertip save, because the deflection was mental and it just... You know, it was creeping in, mm-hmm. and they had to put it by. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah. Go back and watch that game. Watch the game. Watch the highlights because it's on the, the the BBC website. That shot was going fifteen feet wide of the goal before it took that deflection. Yes, it was. And and that for me probably sums up where we are. And it's desperate, Davy. I mean, it's actually desperate. 
Um, well, Cammy, we, he'll, we, said, we said before, we said before in the podcast uh, that we had to focus on strikers because we couldn't rely on Kenny Miller, and um, I, I don't think we've. I'll be honest with you, I don't think we've answered that question. Well, I would say that a really concerning thing for me is Rangers should never after seven games of a league season be in negative goal difference. It just shouldn't. Shouldn't be a possibility, and that's even allowing for that you might occasionally take a bit of a drubbing. So that is unacceptable at both ends. But if I can be a little bit more positive, uh, glass half full type of guy depends what it is. I've never understood that phrase because you think about it. I mean, glass half full, glass half empty. Surely, if it's like a beer, it's half empty. But if it's a pint of jism that someone's making you drink, it, it would be half full. You know, you you wouldn't be able you you know. You would be like, oh god, I've still got another half one to go. Unless you're Scott again, who, who openly drinks pints that come in the pub. Yeah, and it's Tuesdays. Um, but oh, poor Scott, he goes away for one week. All joking aside, I think that we did go to Petodre, and I was concerned that we would get bullied, and we didn't. Physically, we didn't get bullied in the slightest. We dominated the game. Now you can very accurately complain about sterile possession and not using the possession enough and, and that would be correct but we did go there and physically we were the, the better side, we were more dominant um, Aberdeen were very lucky, moment of extreme quality a lucky free kick and I'm not going to sit here and greet about a, a free kick, it happens if you're not a psycho uh, the way that basically anyone anything to do with Rangers goes oh you got a decision and you're like yeah we did, that happened sometimes, here was one against us but it was a moment of skill and he won the game. Fantastic. Another piece of ridiculous defending from us to, to concede the other. These things happen. But I did feel that if I just stepped back from it a little bit, I just felt, you know what, maybe there are signs we're starting to get to grips with this division a bit. And yes, we lost and that's unacceptable. And the you, know, you take in isolation, it's never fun losing the Aberdeen, but you take a look at the season, it's been unacceptable so far. But I just got that impression that maybe they're starting to get to the pitch of the ball a bit. So, so I agree with that in terms of um, it was the performance was good and I think that we, uh, we did ask questions Aberdeen. I think we had quite a few decent chances. Uh, we obviously mentioned Garners. Waghorn had one from probably a similar distance, uh, which he blazed over the bar. And as you, as you said, it's on another day and mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. I think it's interesting, however, um, when you also consider Warburton came out and said the same thing against, I believe it was Ross County, where he, he came out and said it was probably one of our best performances that I've seen. However, we didn't convert chances. Mm. And the same thing's true in terms of what actually happened at Petodre. The problem that you've got, however, is we. So we we've got a vicious cycle. So the, the the problem is, if we don't convert chances because we're expected to win every game. If we don't convert chances, what then happens is we start to panic. If we concede goals, it's like the walls are falling down because then all of a sudden we've got to score two in order to get the mm. win that we supposedly deserve. I... And I'm curious to know if now fans are going to have the patience. To, to recalibrate where we are at the moment to then take the time to address these performances. Uh, and I think that's our big test. I, see, I can come at it from both points of views, and I do understand why people will say, look, you can play well, you can play badly. If you lose, you get the same amount of points. And 
that's fair enough. Uh, uh, and at the end of the day, we are Rangers, and this is what it's about for us: is about accumulating points and, and being successful. I could also see though the other side where people are saying yes, the performances are getting better, and there are at least positive signs. If you you know you try to look a little bit deeper and look past the surface, you can see that things are starting to move in the correct direction. But the problem is, as you say, football is all about intangibles like form and confidence, and even if they are starting to improve gradually, if the results aren't improving with them then the pressure that gets heaped on a Rangers player is enormous you know both from the fans from the media from everyone and you can find yourself in a situation where it's what comes first chicken or the egg you know um, are they dropping points because they don't have any confidence or do they not have any confidence because they're dropping points and yeah I mean I, but like I say if, if trying to look at stuff rather than we just with the you know we're doomed because you know we've got Scott for that then I did think, well, the last couple of games there has been improvement. People were going, oh, Pataudry, oh, it's going to be really you know, frightening. And it wasn't like that at all. It just wasn't like that at all. And I suppose that the, the real key test will come in the match against Celtic. If, if we get bullied again and overrun and destroyed, it's going to be very difficult for Mark Warburton, I think, because fans will just lose lose trust. There's nothing that gains you the trust quicker or loses you quicker than old firm matches. Do you mean the game in October or the game in Hogmanay? October. So the reason why I would I would disagree with that is because if you look at it now, we've actually got the Celtic game aside a relatively straightforward run of fixtures. Probably up until we actually ironically have Aberdeen at Ibrox, which is I think the first, if I'm right, is the last week in November, first week in December. It's around about that period. In fact, I'm fairly certain it's last week in November. Um, the, the point that, that I'm kind of making with that is that if, if we're saying that the performances are getting better and hopefully we can start to convert chances, that will come true in that run of games. Taking the Celtic game to one side. Now, um, obviously, we are, we're recording this the day after the Champions League game at Parkhead. Um, so stupid Rangers fans will turn around and go well we lost 5-1 they also drew with Man City so therefore that means that they're actually better than we thought and we're not as bad that's not true but I'm already starting to see some of that in social media um, I think you need to take out the old firm game in October because right now I don't think we've got any right to walk into that with any degree of confidence um, we're not helped by the international break but we do have the opportunity to try and put together some decent performances and most importantly convert chances because we need goals and we need our strikers to believe that they can score goals and um, actually uh, just, as I say, get that end product there because it's so frustrating to watch. It must be 10 times harder to play in um, because, as you know, confidence is all important for strikers and, and I actually really firmly believe that. Yeah, we can't right. just we can't just simply turn around and just hope for the next one because it, you know each striker will remember the last minute of the last game and the first minute of the next game. It will just be concurrent for them, um, and so it, it's, it's in our best interest just now to actually give somebody a doing. And I mean, even if we're two 0 up at half time, make positive attacking substitutions to bring more people on to to further that scoreline. I don't care who it is. Um, because we want to be able to try and instill some confidence in that in that set of players. Well, we've got Partick Thistle at home on Saturday, and with all due respect to Partick Thistle, 
None. At least Partick Thistle. But with all due respect to Partick Thistle, you can't handpick a better match than this, you know, when your confidence low, than to have them at home on a Saturday. Now, they're going to come, they're going to put men behind the ball, they're going to make it difficult to try and hit us on the break. There's not going to be anything that we're unaware of. You know, there's not going to be any surprises, they're not going to catch us on the hop, or they shouldn't anyway. So, if we don't see, I think, an upgraded performance and a better result, then it's just drip by drip. And we, we saw this before with the Le Guin situation. Not that I'm saying the situations are the same, they're clearly not. Not that I'm saying the dressing rooms are the same, they're clearly not. But I'm just talking about the support at large, which it starts off as a little kind of tip-tap of criticism and then it gets gradually more and more and more and more until there's a point that comes where you, you cross that line and it becomes impossible for any manager to get it back. And that's why I think something like Saturday, yes, it's a great fixture and that it's very straightforward looking on paper, but it's also a, a tricky fixture because there's not a, a huge upside to winning, but there's a fucking huge upside to losing. A uh, downside, sorry. So I get that. I, 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 I've seen on um, on some of the social media stuff as well that uh, the Union Bears are calling for fans to be able to try and come in to Ibrox about the back of 2 o'clock. Uh, to, to basically welcome the players through the warm-up, which I think is a fantastic idea. That is, but let's face it, it's not going to happen. So it won't, but then... If I people, then Cammy, if people, can't, if, people can't, if people can't stay to see the end of the game, they're not going to come in to watch the warm-up. Well, that, that's what, what I'm saying is I would also couple it with the point that if things aren't going our way, don't, you know, don't show the frustration. So I'm not... So I'm, I'm, I totally agree with you. I don't think Ibrox will be full at half-two, but what I do think is that we'll be very quick to be able to try and... Um, and, and give criticism to that team where it's probably that difference between actually supporting that team and, and managing your own expectations. So you've just hit the nail on the head there where you're saying we should be beating Partick Thistle. We cannot handpick a better fixture for this. So if Thistle go 1-0 up within the first 10 minutes, all of a sudden the atmosphere, the mood totally changes. And I think that that's where we probably need to show a wee bit more resolve and try and have that temperance um, because... It'll, it should help us in the long run, but it will just simply capitulate our problems if we if we allow it to. Mm. And that's that's a, a tough thing, especially for our group of fans to come into. Football, as you said earlier on, is a results business. There is nowhere in the world that is truer than Glasgow. Mm. No, and, uh, and we've seen old fund managers, you know, within the last year losing jobs because of the fact that the certain results haven't gone their way mm. and I think we could both agree that Warburton should be given the time to to allow that opportunity um, however we've already heard murmurings of people wanting them out and all that kind of stuff as well. Well that was the thing about last week is that when people were saying ah you're terrible we lost to Aberdeen and then mentioning Derek McInnes's name as a successor my view on it was I didn't know what was worse. Losing to a team as limited and functional and attritional as Aberdeen, or then hearing people say the guy who made them like that cause should be the guy who can make us like that. I really don't want... I mean, they are such a dull percentage dinosaur football. And yeah, yeah, they want fair play at them. Um, but 
I just I would not want us going in that direction again as a quick fix because as we saw for the last 20 years once you get into the quick fix habit then that's all you do and that's all you can do it's just always you know sticking elastoplasts on on burst tires all the time and I, I don't want us I don't want us to go that route so, so I don't either and I think that when you're talking so you're right in terms of what we've done is we've, we've kind of papered over the cracks previously you know Pre, pre-administration we've papered, we've papered over a lot of those cracks um, Warburton I think has actually addressed a lot of them um, I think the simplest thing I can think of off the top of my head is um, I, I think he's done very well from a recruitment perspective in terms of obviously McPartland and stuff uh, that, that then means that we need to give him the support to be able to try and see him through this but then you and I have just spoke about what area of the part that you focus on Mm. So it, it's it, it's by no means an easy job. It's great. It's great to turn around and say, "Oh, Derek McInnes will just take him." Uh, so because of one game against Aberdeen, so uh, are you actually saying that Derek McInnes's true achievements have been because he's allowed Aberdeen to finish second in a league where Rangers were only there? Mm. Because uh, how's that an achievement? We would we take Robbie Nielsen instead. Yeah, well, that's he that, got hearts promoted. Yeah, exactly. That's it's. Uh... I see X Rangers thing, and I'm sure you will get people saying, "Oh, he's a Rangers man," and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, "Oh, I'd rather just have somebody that was that was competent." And I really don't want to go back to to never ever enjoying being at a Rangers match. Because yeah, for Warburton, the results have been mince, but there are times uh, under his tenure where you're like, "Yep, yep, really impressed by that, really good." But on to slightly happier news, Cammy, and it turns out that if we do beat Celtic in the upcoming semi final, we're all allowed on the pitch. Well, um, I was thinking about that because um, I was uh, talking to someone I was offered a ticket for the semi-final um, and I'll be honest with you, you, you and I both know I mean, even for cup finals at Hamden Hamden's a shit stadium but as it turns out you can almost go into some sort of FIFA-esque interactive mode mm-hmm. where you yeah. can just suddenly come on the park and just you know run alongside your favourite players and all that so yeah, why not? Yeah, so remember guys um, if you win you are allowed on the park you can run up and you know gesture to the Celtic supporters you can rip up turf it's all okay the SFA said that this week when they dropped the charges against Hibs now I really don't want to waste much much time on this because you know. I don't think we need to the SFA. Yeah, well, crappy club in the first division. But how is it tenable that a member of the SFA's own board hires a lawyer who he knows is infinite, uh, intimately acquainted with the law book to then draw coaching horses through them? When he sits on the board that are responsible for the overseeing and implementation of those rules. It's not. It's, it's not I, credible. I the thing is, though, that I can't really think of a of a of an honest and tangible justification for what's happened within the last twenty four hours of that decision, because fundamentally, what the SFA have done is mark their own homework. Mm. Um, I think it. it yeah, and mark their own homework. To make a mockery of the game. Yeah. And it's it's. I'm actually pleased. Uh, bizarre as this might sound, that it happened in the Scottish Cup final, because if it happened in the Petrofac or the League Cup final, where no one really cared because it's a it's a Mickey Mouse. Fair enough. This is the this is the, the basically the last game of the season, uh, the showpiece, if you will. Um, and what I want you to try and imagine is those scenes happening at the FA Cup final, and and what the potential fallout would have been. And now judge it to what's happening with us. Cam, we all know that it was not 
the game or the country. It was who it happened to. And that, that I, I've said to people over and over, just imagine that we had behaved the way the Hibs fans did after the Scottish Cup semi. And the reaction would have been a hell of a lot different. And you saw people justifying it and the, the what about it, the stuff we were always accused of. Um, you know, we talked the other week about I but toilets. Well, this was I but singing. And there's always something, rather than just come out and say what, what the undertone always is, is you're Rangers, you deserve it. And we've seen it over and over. The stuff, because you're living through it, it, it can, you know, it becomes run of the mill to you and you begin to just not notice. But if you take a step back in the last few weeks, hanging effigies, banners saying kill all, all Huns, but uh, kill all Rangers fans. And then on top of that, the, the governing body, for the second time in just over a year, implicitly condoning assaults on our players. It's it's a ludicrous situation. No club should have to put up with this. So, I think you and I are both very much on the same page when we talk about things like a victim mentality, and uh, and I still wholeheartedly believe that you know Celtic put the Tim in victim. <laughs> However, um, this is this is too much of a of a regular occurrence against Rangers um, for incidents, which, to be perfectly frank. Are, are on on very very different scales of offensiveness and 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 breaches really more than anything else in terms of what the expectation is as a fan who goes to the game etc. So now what we've now what we've said to you is um, when you go to take your child to a cup final you're putting them at risk mm. because with the greatest will in the world. Um, where would have been the line and I'm not condoning anyone including Rangers fans who go in the park but then we also didn't on the pod condone the guys who smashed up the toilets because in actual fact you're damaging yourself by doing that hmm. but what That's I'm saying is at what point so you see thousands and let's call it for what it was thousands of Hibs fans coming onto the park where's the, where's the marker where do they hmm. stop because they didn't stop when they reached Rangers players they didn't stop when they reached players uh, coaching staff they were continuing past the halfway line and they were in our half at that stage. So at what point do you then turn in and go, ah, it's fine, they'll stop at the 18-yard line. They'll stop at the side of the pitch. Now what we're saying is that's perfectly acceptable because mm. there'll be no further action taken um, and you can continue to push that envelope as much as you like and it just happens to be against Rangers. So therefore, crack on. I think the the reaction to the, the cup final thing was, was simple. When people were placing the blame on those who were goaded rather than the ones who were doing the goading, then that just starkly illustrates their their agenda and it shines a light on it and we all know why. We need the club to do something and statement bingo is not the game that we need to be playing right now. It's if I see another I it's pure shite but in it lads, statement from the from the club followed by nothing, then I, I think I'm gonna print it out and wipe my ass with it. So, I mean, we all know, obviously, where the club is at just now with the BBC. But even on the BBC's reporting of the graffiti that was etched onto the bus um, at the Rangers Hotel... Christ, I forgot about that. See, I mean, there's so many yeah, incidents. I actually forgot the last about that. Line, the last line of that report was basically um, about our, uh, our entering administration. That's yeah. literally the footnote. That was the last line of the article. And that, for me, just totally summed up the the clear agenda 
that is occurring within certain parts of the Scottish media. And the, the problem you've got with this, right, and this is what I want you to, to almost do a little bit of a kind of look and see when you're talking about what's happening in England with the Telegraph articles regarding the bungs and stuff, is if you look at that level of, of reporting against almost, um, you know, high, highest level uh, instances of potential corruption, etc., what you're also looking at here is an absolute stain on our game. And we're not even close to seeing any kind of real outcry from the media that the SFA have have effectively cheated us out of any kind of form of retributive action. I would have I would have happily accepted some sort of form of punishment against Rangers for what happened at the Scottish Cup final because our fans went on to the park as well. As long as it was nowhere near what Hibs got because whilst both instances occurred, there were far more um, repeated instances, if you will, of people entering the field to play uh, from the Hibs side, and that's where we we don't want we don't want bias in our in our favour. We actually want parity. Can mm-hmm. you get that? Yeah, that's it. We don't we don't want the advantage. We just want parity at the moment. We we don't have that. Okay, wrapping up, Cami. Uh, what's the result going to be on Saturday? Um. I would like to believe it'll be probably three... I'll say 3-1, because I don't believe we can't stop shipping goals at the moment, but I'd say 3-1. I'll say 2-1 to Rangers. I think we'll win, but I think it'll be fairly tight and dour. I think I think you need to just get wins on, on the board before you can start jumping to the fours and fives. Uh, so I'll, I'll take any three points at the moment, but prove me wrong, Rangers. Go out and smash them. That would be ideal. Cammy, before we go, we... We can't not mention you. You touched on it earlier, a Telegraph investigation that uh, cost Sam Allardyce his, his job. Now, I, I don't care about that. I don't care about the English management. But Sam Allardyce was drinking a pint of white wine. I mean, come on. That's impressive. So, what, so I initially didn't understand what was really happening. I thought, I thought they were paying him 400 grand to drink pints of wine. Can you imagine if somebody then, had done and that? Then, and then I realised that apparently it was some sort of FA breach. But can you imagine would, if somebody had done that, that with me? Imagine if somebody had offered me 400 grand to drink pints of wine. That would last about two rounds, neither of which you would have bought, ironically. No, this is funny. I remember actually going to a concert where I decided that I couldn't be arsed keeping going backwards and forwards to the bar. So instead of drinking pints, I would drink red wine because, and you also don't need to worry about, about the temperature. So I started pouring. Then I thought, well, I don't want to just take one because I'll drink it quickly. So I was buying four and pouring them into a pint tumbler. Um, but I was drinking it as quickly as I would drink a pint. And funnily enough, I can't remember the next two days. <laughs> uh, well, I bet you Big Sam wouldn't be forgetting them. No, it's true. He's, he's got a, ca- on, on he's a, a camera note, reminder. On a serious note for me, um, I think it's been wonderfully ironic when you hear some of the outcry against the Telegraph for covering this, because now a lot of, a lot of fans are taking to social media saying that the Telegraph have more or less um, spoiled uh, England's chances of qualification for the World Cup and all that kind of stuff. This will be the same, the same FA uh, and the same FA representative as well, who were so keen to lamblast FIFA for the highest levels of corruption and all that kind of stuff as well, and you know, you, you can't, you can't, um, you know, throw rocks if you live in a glass house. Sure. Yeah. I just think that he, he has been a little bit uh, unlucky, and you can see the whole stitched up thing. But 
I, my sympathy is limited for a guy who's on three million a year and is so greedy and so venal that he's out there trying to grab another four hundred grand. Um, make do with what you've got. A simple way round it for all football clubs is you have to declare all other streams of revenue, all of them to them, and if something appears that isn't in that. Uh, and hasn't been passed okay by the FA, then you, you know you're done. You, you're out the you're out the game. I think a lot more is going to well, obviously a lot more is going to come out. It's not a great revelation on my part to notice this. And I think the amount of clubs that are going to get hurt at the mid level because yeah, you'll have your greedy millionaires at the top. That'll happen, but I just can't see it being the likes of a Mourinho or that. He's just too he's too clever to get caught up in it. He'd be aware of the risks. Whereas I think that you'll find that maybe guys who are coaching or assistant manager levels at, you know, League One, League Two clubs, where they're not earning fortunes, decent money, but but not fortunes. And if they're being offered, you know, ten grand to make sure this player gets signed or gets an appearance, then the temptation's gonna be huge. And I think you could see this massive ripple effect right through the lower leagues in England where loads of coaches and, and people at that level are, are showing the door. Well, it's, it's happened now. It came out this morning that um, so my second team, Barnsley, their uh, their assistant manager, Tommy Wright, took a five k bung um, as part of an agent transfer and stuff. But I think that, so. The point you're making is totally right because um, I think when you get to the, the elite level, the higher level clubs, the managers actually don't have really have a lot to do with the transfer deal. No, it's a director. And um, and then what happens is when Technical you then start director. to go down that ladder, you've actually got managers who are, are very very much involved. In the, in, the, in the transfer dealings and the player recruitment and stuff and um, it was actually really interesting because I was listening to the radio today and um, the, the the Bradford City chairman or the ex-chairman I should say was on talking about transfer dealings and stuff and, it, and he actually raised quite a good point around it's all very well and good saying that in one transfer deal potentially this puts you at risk because you know people might get greedy and there might be some you know under the table stuff going on but in actual fact that you can actually do it with four or five players that you're recruiting for one position because people might try and give you, you know, almost additional amounts or try and go to the highest bid. So the the, the room to which you could potentially be open for manipulation is massive. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, listen, do you know what? See, at the end of the day, you, you, you know, people say, you know, all that bollocks about, you know, TV puts so much money into football that it's ruined. It's, it's a lot of shit, right? So let's not, you know, be infantile and go down that road. But there is also a point as well where you want it to be almost within the spirit of the game, if you can call it that. Um, and anything that happens to be able to try and remove any kind of damage or any kind of threat to that, I think is a good thing. So as I say, from, from Barnsley's perspective, Barnsley have been doing really well. They've been promoted last season. They're doing well within the Championship. It cost me 246 quid on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if Tommy Wright's been a big part of that, then, you know... Then fuck him, he owes me 246 quid. Yeah, exactly, he owes me. See, I had a coupon on in Tartan and he did one goal, let me down, because Barnsley drew with with Aston Villa and had Barnsley won 246 quid. But, uh, but uh, what can you do? You know, I, I'm honestly, I'm not bothered. 240! No. Um, but these things happen and you should only bet if you, you know, if you can take the rough ways. Joey Barton takes your tip. <laughs> Joey or Ian Black, who's ha- <laughs> Who's, who's had a rich vein of scoring form down south, I know. OK, folks, well, listen, that's pretty much everything from Heart and Hand this week. All that it means for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, and to tell you how you can get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us by on Facebook. Just go and search for Heart and Hand Arrangers Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ibrox Rocks, R-O-C-K-S. Cammy is? Uh, beat that beat. 
that beat, that beat. And Scott is at Scott Hart Hand. Cammy, thank you very much. It'd be lovely to talk to you as always. David, it's always a pleasure. And um, when you see Scott next, smash him in the fanny for me. No problem at all. My name's David Edgar, folks. I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network.